This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Ah, the world of professional sports, Coos. It's a chaotic one right now. Shout out to the Miami Marlins for not letting us have nice things. We'll have to talk about that a little bit now as 14 people, including players and coaches, have tested positive for COVID-19. Game is off tonight against your Phillies, I believe, correct? Well, no, the Phillies game oh, is no, the Phillies, also that's right. delayed because it they is were delayed. supposed to play the Yankees. Yeah, that's right. So Miami is going to open up at home tonight. That game is canceled. Phillies-Yankees canceled. Major League Baseball meeting right now. Emergency meeting. Going to try to get ahead of this a little bit. Is, Chaos. Is is football oh, the NFL? Hey, here we go. There we go, Coos. <laughs> here we go, drink, drinking that Kool-Aid. But are they sitting there going, there's no way we can do this then? Listen, we'll we'll dive into that here, I think, in a little bit, or maybe right now, depending on what Brent wants to do. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of football, this turns you off a little bit, right? This kind of deters you a little bit because we're in week one of baseball right now. Okay, this is the opening week, and we have 14 people with that organization getting sick. So, of course, you should be worried about it a little bit. And keep in mind, this isn't a bubble situation right now like the NBA or the NHL. Like, ideally, if you're talking about the NBA right now, they have the perfect scenario, right? I mean, yeah, of course, Lou Williams got in trouble. We'll get into that later as well. But I think the model the NBA is doing right now in terms of the bubble, that's what you want. But the problem is because you cannot do that for the NFL players. You just can't. There's too many people. Um, they don't have enough resources to do that. So you can't have the bubble in place for really baseball or football. And now we're seeing, well, that might be a problem going forward. Yeah, I think you. Uh, it's really hard to do it in football. You can't. You could have done it in baseball, though. Mm-hmm. You could have done it. And maybe that's where they made a mistake is because you could have done the Arizona-Florida thing. Where there's plenty of ballparks. True. I mean, we play on facilities where you got four fields going at one time. I mean, so you can do it, mm-hmm. especially with no fans in there. So, uh, you know, it might not have been a, as good. And, and people thought in the Major League Baseball that it might be the best way to just keep them close to home. And, and listen, uh, I, I think there's a bit of overreaction today as well. We don't know where this is going. Could this be more of an isolated outbreak for one team and, and then the rest kind of calms down? Or they don't tell us about them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we'll see. So we'll see where it goes. But no doubt the NFL's watching, college football's watching, because they fit the Major League Baseball model mm-hmm. much more than they fit MLS and NBA, NASCAR, golf, all the rest of them. They do, because they're going to be traveling around. And there's really no other way to do it. You, you can't find – heck, you probably can go to some high school team in Texas or a couple of them and just go on their fields and play. They probably have plenty of facilities. Hey, I was up in Hoover. They had a varsity and JV football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe <laughs> maybe you can do it that way. Uh, but it's going to be really difficult uh, to do that. They have to keep their fingers crossed. The good news for football continues to be you have more time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still six weeks away. Even more than that, really. Mm-hmm. Six weeks away. Now, you got to get going and ramp up and kind of keep you. You have to make your own bubble, essentially. With your players. That's what the NFL has to learn from this is they have to make their own bubble in their facility. And that's what they've tried to do with the protocols. We'll see if they work. Are they enough? And did Major League Baseball do enough to do that? Or uh, were there some rogue players that went out already had it? Very hard to tell. And, you know, from the testing standpoint, you can get tested, not get the result. 
play a game, then get the result. Well, you've already interacted now with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now you're you're handing it off to others. So we'll see where it goes. Major League Baseball has got a bit of an issue after the opening. We thought we'd come in here and talk about the opening weekend in baseball, sure. uh, which wasn't bad, which had its ups and downs. And uh, I think one of the most amazing stats of, of all time is it does it show the game of baseball? Does it show parity? Is that nobody got swept? Nobody got swept. For the first time since 1954, the opening weekend, everybody has a win in Major League Baseball. And no one's undefeated either, right? Nobody's nobody's undefeated. Nobody's nobody's winless. So everybody's got a W after week uh, the first weekend. It's the first time since 54, and I think I read today there were 16 teams in 54. Hmm. So think about that. I mean, it's really an amazing statistic uh, and shows, uh, I guess, I think it's more the sport of baseball. It's hard to sweep a team. doesn't matter how bad you are. I mean, look at the Orioles. They took two out of three. The Red Sox aren't supposed to be great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But look at the Phillies and Marlins. Marlins took two out of three, and Phillies are supposed to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, it's just no reason to panic uh, if you're a Phillies fan. You still might have a great season. I've already jumped ship. I'm over the season. Let's go 76ers. Yeah. You're going to Ben Simmons hit a three and you're already on to it. On. Let's be honest. You were always ready for the 76ers That's true. Uh, before the Phillies. Uh, Philly Fanatic, by the way, doing the wave by himself. Did you see that? There were see a that. lot of really depressing photos of the Philly Fanatic sitting by himself dressed as Santa on <laughs> what, Christmas in July. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw uh, putting on the cardboard cutout. I think it was the Philly Fanatic who did the uh, shaving cream in the face of one of the mm-hmm. cardboard okay, cutouts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're having some fun with it. I love the cardboard cutouts. I still love them. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, and they're not even that expensive in some places. I might yeah. just start buying them all around Major League Baseball. Do what you got to do, man. Uh, uh, that's if they have it. Listen, and far be it for me to, to complain about the, the first weekend of baseball. It was great to watch sports again, live sports, live team sports, if you will. But I do have one. Well, I got a couple complaints. Obviously, the, the computer generated the AI crowd freaked me out a little bit because like half the innings they had them, half the innings they weren't using them, and then when they're using them, the commentators are making fun of them the whole time. So it kind of defeated the purpose. Yeah. But like my big issue, and I'm not sure how it's working, but obviously they're pumping crowd noise into it. So whenever, like for instance, so it was the Cubs-Brewers this past weekend, okay? Cubs are at home. When a Cubs player was up to bat, regardless if it was like a pop fly or a home run, the crowd reaction was the same. So all of a sudden like a, a Cubs player would hit the ball, pop fly, but all of a sudden the crowd just goes, Woo! I'm like, is that a home run? Yeah. And no, it, was, it was like a routine pop fly in the infield, yeah. but like the way the reaction garnered, it was like, oh, great home run again, but it wasn't. So like that kind of threw me off for a bit of a loop, because obviously when the crowd cheers, you expect it to be a good hit or a home run. I did say one time to the kids, I'm like, you know, they, you almost don't even realize there's no fans there when they do put the crowd noise in, yeah. if it's appropriate, yeah. and it's just kind of subtle. It's very subtle, and you don't really get the sense that uh, watching baseball, at least, like that the crowds, are, that the stands are empty until you watch the wide shot. They keep showing these wide shots of the stadiums, mm-hmm. and it's almost like, my goodness, that must be so depressing for the owners. They had a, they had a point where <laughs> a the, um, with the Phillies where the, you know, the pitcher threw it back to first base, and they actually had the crowd boo, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the guy's got to be really on it, right? Yeah. yeah they got to be really on it. That's Again, somebody's job. It'd be a great story. Oh, that's Sit someone's there with job. That guy. Just have a soundboard to impress it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'd be a great story. Uh, how about you? What, what's up with the players? What's up? The back and forth nature of the players. Holy cats, is it raining? Rain. I mean, I got stuck out. We went for a walk before the show. I got stuck out there absolutely oh, yeah. drenched. And then coming up, it's been raining hard for like 
an hour and a half wherever I am, at least. I don't know if that's for everybody, but wherever I am. Yeah. Uh, definitely the first I saw be, it Be careful out there. Uh, put your hazards on, there as we, they say. No, don't do that. Dude, no, no, don't do that. Yeah, that's illegal. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Come on, Brent. What are you talking about, man? You can't do that. If you're going to pull over? No, we're not supposed to put your hazards on in a, in a rainstorm. Oh, well, you I meant if you're going off oh, to the side. Oh, okay. The side, yeah. I got you. I thought you meant if you're no, driving, put, put hazard. your hazards on. No, you no, can't do that. No, no, don't do that. That's, that's illegal. But it's hard to you see in front of you, man. You gotta, if you're going to pull off to that side, you better get get over there. Get way over. And, uh, and, and be way over. Yeah. So the Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams go after it. Sure. Keenan Allen says, I am the greatest mm, player debatable. of them all. Yeah. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, uh, I got you. And uh, Mike Evans says... Hold the phone. Check my stats real quick. And yeah. stats actually do show Evans. Well, yeah, there you go. Life. I mean, stats is all you need, right? What is up with you modern-day athletes? You? What? I'm sorry. I'm I thought we were you. about to get at you people. Yeah. What yeah. is up with you modern-day athletes? Like, do you not get enough love? I mean, is there just not enough attention going around? Did you miss football season that much and everybody's going to say, hey, look at me. I'm I'm the best. I mean, do you really have to do that, Keenan Allen? And the Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell thing's a different situation. Yeah. I was surprised to see the Keenan Allen thing and now the back and forth. Listen, which would usually take place in a group text or maybe in a social setting can now take place on social media. It's as simple as that. So, like, do I really think Keenan Allen and, and you know, Mike Evans are, are jawing on, on purpose and, like, you know, will eventually come to a fight? I doubt it, okay? We, I mean, we see this everywhere. We see this with rappers. We see it with football players. We see it with the celebrities. This is a good way to generate hype to start talking about people. You know, like, let's be honest right now. In terms of Keenan Allen, fantastic wide receiver. I don't think he really gets the credit that he deserves That's because, true. I mean, maybe it's a West Coast bias, whatever the reason is, but he hasn't got a lot of notoriety, let's just say, the past three or four years. Now, injury has something to do with that as well, but he's, he's a great wide receiver in his own right. The problem is, though, no one's talking about him. So, if you're Keenan Allen and you call out Godwin and you call out Mike Evans, well, guess what? Now we're talking about you. Welcome to the ESP, ESPN 690 brand, Keenan Allen in Jacksonville. Now we're talking about you. I think it's a genius marketing move on his part, and I'm sure this is all staged. Don't well, drink the Kool-Aid, Brett. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Yeah, I say it. My first reaction is, wow, I mean, these guys can't get enough of this. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just back and forth. Then my second reaction is, I do think it's an actual ploy, mm-hmm. uh, intentional to get the attention. And then I actually believe, and I'll take it right back home, for a guy who never got enough credit and a, and a guy who deserved so much credit than he got, and still to this day, is Fred Taylor. Mm, yeah. And so if you kind of look at Keenan Allen and where he's coming from, mm-hmm. like if there was social media when Fred was playing and he could have actually built his brand bigger, mm-hmm. you know, because of social media or because brands were a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe more people would have taken notice. Maybe more people would take notice and look at the totality of his career and say he's a Hall of Famer. He's got Hall of Fame credentials. He needs consideration for the Hall of Fame. Kind of what Fred came out and did yeah. last year when they had the vote for the top 25 players. And he, he was like, whoa, don't forget, I've, I've got a great, I've had a great career, man. I'm Canton worthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's right if you look at the numbers. But nobody even discusses it or talks about it. So it's interesting where my mind went on the Keenan Allen stuff. I I equated it to more like the Fred Taylor situation. If he were playing today, he could help build his brand. Keenan Allen may be doing a little bit of that because you're right. 
Allen is up there, but nobody mentions him. Like, yeah. you could list 10 receivers, and I don't think I'd come up with Allen. And it's not because he doesn't deserve it or hasn't earned it, just because he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Well, and to be fair, too, with Keenan Allen, I mean, he is kind of surrounded by offensive weapons there in L.A. I mean, you, you used to have Melvin Gordon. You had Austin Eckler. You had Hunter Henry. Uh, you had Antonio Gates back in the day. So, like, he was surrounded by a pretty high-powered offense and also Phillip Rivers, to say the least. So, to me, it was always hard for him to get his shine just because you play with so many great superstars on the offensive side of the ball. To prove Fred Taylor's point, though, that was a different era completely, right? Where even when Fred Taylor and the Jaguars did have success, and maybe they'd be playing some primetime games, I think back then um, it was hard for you to get, you know, it was hard for you to get your just due if you played on a small market team. Now, I think nowadays with social media and the way like the NFL Network covers it, ESPN covers it, if you're a great player, you will get your just due. But um, unfortunately for Fred Taylor, maybe even Tony Baselli, they played in the wrong era where I don't think the Jaguars got enough just do, even for as good as they were doing. And obviously now you got them, you know, kind of speaking out saying, hey, let's get these guys to the Hall of Fame. They deserve it. Do you think Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver? Is he with those guys, the Evanses of the world, the Julio Jones, the A.J. Greens? I mean, because got to remember one thing as we compare a little bit of the situation to Fred. Mm -hmm. Fred was in an era of fantastic running backs. Mm -hmm. And so there were so many good ones. You didn't put Fred at the top because of Jacksonville small market, because of maybe the lack of Pro Bowls, uh, and because of other circumstances. I think he could have got more love in, in today's world, if you will. Yeah. Um, you're asking me, do I think he's a top 10 guy right now? I'm going to say no. No. I, I'd probably put Keenan Allen top 15, but I'm not putting him top 10. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and some say him and uh, that he might be the best route runner there is. Sure, uh, that's that's obviously his skill set. I'm surprised by Rivers, although Rivers kind of because he disappointed. Maybe Rivers didn't elevate him more. You know, like Manning elevated Harrison and Reggie Wayne. They mm -hmm. were kind of unassuming guys, really. Uh, no, I mean, they were very talented guys, but like Reggie Wayne, very quiet guy. Mm -hmm. it feel, from the outside, that's what it felt like. And Manning's getting all the love, but he elevated their status so much. Not to say they're not deserving of everything they got, but they elevated it. Rivers kind of had the chance to do that, but I don't know if he ever did. I think him and Gates are more of a combination than maybe yeah. anybody else on that team, to your point, uh, rather than even Gordon or Eckler or, or Allen himself. Yeah, I mean, it's a good call. But like When you think back of the Chargers receivers, like yeah, you had Mike Williams who could take the top off, but overall, I mean, it was the Keenan Williams show in terms of receiving because Hunter Henry um, was, you know, has generally been hurt the past couple of years as well. When Antonio Gates, and like, obviously Antonio Gates was the guy. So, to me, it wasn't like Keenan Allen didn't get his fair share of footballs. I just think that Keenan Allen, his style, and the opposite that the Chargers ran, you know, I mean, he ran out of slot a lot, so it was like these short crossing routes, so he got a lot of receptions but as far as those big play yardage, those touchdowns, um, those went to other players. So once again, like I think Keenan Allen is a pretty darn good receiver. I'd probably put him top 15 at the very uh, you know, back end, the top 20, and he's safe there. But I don't think he's warranted to talk smack to Chris Godwin. I don't think he's warranted right now to talk smack to Mike Evans. Or I think Tyree Kill as well, didn't he? He did. But, yeah. I mean, I, see, I would say Keenan Allen's a better player, in my opinion, and without looking up numbers than Godwin. I mean, Evans has the numbers to back it up. Evans feels like he's like right on the outside of maybe those elite, elite players. Sure. And his numbers did showcase it. Mm -hmm. 
But I don't know. I mean, I would put Keaton Allen above Godwin in a heartbeat. I know there's a one-two punch now in Tampa, but I I don't think of Godwin at all when I think of good receivers in the game. I'm not saying he's not. I'm yeah. just saying he doesn't come to my mind Yeah. Uh, well, at all. Keep in mind, he had 1,300 yards last year, nine touchdowns, and he's a pro bowler. That so sounds he, like so a typical Keenan Allen year, though, no, is my point. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure of Keenan Allen. I can look up Keenan Allen. I mean, Allen's it might not, but he year. might be off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns compared to Keenan Allen last year, who had uh, 1,200 yards and six touchdowns. Okay. So, and keep in mind, uh, Keenan Allen's never had over eight touchdowns in his career. Uh, I mean, per, per season. Per you know season, yeah, from yeah. a touchdown base. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell. There's a lot to dissect on the Jamal Adams front. Who won the trade? Mm-hmm. Was it a terrible trade for Seattle? Mm. Did Jets have to do it? How does the whole situation kind of feel amongst the Yannick Ngakwe talk as well, or even the Jalen Ramsey talk? This one had a feel of, like, kind of hit home a little bit when Jamal Adams got traded uh, over the weekend. We discussed that, and then the back and forth between Bell. That one did not seem orchestrated. That one's pretty interesting. Uh, Some drama flying on social media amidst players in the last couple of days in the NFL. So much to get to here on a Monday. Be safe out there. It's a rainy one, at least where we are in Jacksonville. Hope you had a good weekend, everybody. We'll keep you updated on Major League Baseball, the latest on the NFL, and it should be a big week for college football to boot. It's all on the way. Join the conversation, 904-362-9901, star, star, 690, here on a Monday on ESPN 690. It's definitely a, a high level concern, um, but as of right now, I know we're still going to go about our regular, uh, you know, schedules. Just um, going to be getting tested a lot. Um, they're going to be taking very, very high uh, precautions when it comes to how we go about things in the building with social distancing and things like that. So, um, hopefully, everything goes well with that, and uh, we we all follow the precautions that we need to take. That is Jaguars right tackle, second year player Jawan Taylor. Talking about this upcoming season, and uh, certainly Major League Baseball, the Marlins, what's going on there? The game's being canceled today and tomorrow. Also a game uh, between the Phillies and Yankees being canceled tonight because the Phillies played the Marlins. That has to catch the attention of everybody uh, in in sports right now, and a reminder that you got to stay in the bubble. I mean, or you got to be cautious, and you got to be careful of where you go and what you do if you want to play. Mm. You know, uh, that's the thing. You, you need such a buy-in. In a strange way, it's like I I can I don't know if the NFL can sit here and tell me where to go and and how to live and all that stuff like every minute of the day. But at the same time, if you agreed to all these things and you bought in, well, then you bought in well, and you knew you gotta you gotta do certain things. Um, and avoid other things if you want to have a full season. I say that the NFL, I mean that with everybody. MLB also agreed. NBA also agreed. I mean, there is their responsibility, even though I don't know if, I don't know how I feel about the NFL being like, you have to sit in your hotel all day long if you're not at the field. Like, you can't do that necessarily. Do you, do you want to go over the, the protocol that was released regarding of where players can and cannot go regarding yeah. in their free time, real quick? All right, so this was put out by the NFL and the NFLPA, taken off ESPN.com. Um, Per memo of the NFL defines high-risk conduct as attending an indoor nightclub with more than 15 people, an indoor bar with more than 15 people other than to pick up food, an indoor house party with more than 15 people, 
an indoor music concert entertainment event with more than 15 people, a professional sporting event other than applicable NFL games or events with more than 15 people, an indoor religious service attended by more than 25% of the venue's capacity. So basically they're saying you can't go to anything that's good over because... Over 15 people. <laughs> most... most yeah. Maybe it's not a great bar if it's open to everybody and there's only 15 people. Or nightclub. Do you think Publix that. has more than 15 people at a, at a time? A grocery store? I would say so. I would say so, too. So do you not like those restrictions? Do you think they shouldn't be allowed Listen, to say that? Oh, no. I mean, go go ahead and say it. You know, go ahead and put it out there for everyone to see. Doesn't mean players are going to follow it. No, but you can also get your groceries delivered or pick them up if you want. There's other yeah. ways to do it. You can't go to a nightclub in, in various fashions unless you go to that Houston one where there's a drive through Yeah, for sure. Be a good uh, sure. excuse to tell your significant <laughs> other, hey, I can't go grocery st- shopping. Yes. Like, you have to do it now. Listen, but, I just, Brent, you know where I, I stand I went to the drive through drive through what? drive through strip club. Oh, yeah. Listen, you know where I stand on this? Whether it's the NBA bubble or whether it's the NFL players coming up now, players are going to do what they want to do, okay? Regardless of if there's a championship on the line, regardless of how much money um, you can possibly make, players aren't going to be restricted and feel like they're in quote-unquote a prison. They're just not going to do it. And these rules right here put up by the NFLPA and the NFL, and I get it, the players agreed to them, doesn't mean I see him following him. Just yeah. saying that. Well, it's a long season. I think you could even let's. I think we're all guilty of it to some degree. Once you in, in any walk of life, once you feel uh, you might go by the rules on hardcore for a little bit, and then all of a sudden you feel like okay, everything's pretty good shape. Uh, you kind of relax. You subconsciously even relax it. Sure. Right. I think we've probably all done that to a degree over the last five or six months. We're like, okay, I haven't got it. Everything's kind of opening back up. Uh, and then you kind of catch yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've caught myself going, you know, it's like, oh, going to pump gas. Oh, let me get uh, gloves on or hand sanitizer on or a, a towel or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, going into a place now, I mean, oh, I forgot my mask. Got to turn back around. You know, mm-hmm. you're still not used to some of those things. Uh, so you can kind of subconsciously relax it anyway, and I think we even might have seen it in baseball this weekend. Uh, did they were they did they start off so conscientious of it, mm-hmm. you know, on Friday or Thursday night when it got going? But by Sunday they're like, all right, well we're we're kind of in our own little world here. It's baseball, high five, yeah, those things. I mean, it 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 you you relax it, uh, and so through the course of the season, I think there will be so much attention on this through the first few days, first few weeks. Even when we get to games the first couple weeks, but then will it relax at all is kind of the point to over 15 people. How do things change and what does it look like in two months uh, is also a, a fair question. Absolutely. But keep in mind, too, it's not just you abiding by these rules. It's the people that you live with as well, whether sure. it's a roommate, whether it's a spouse. I mean, then you're asking your spouse, hey, don't go anywhere with more than 15 people in it because I don't want to get sick. So to me, you're asking a lot of a lot of people. And once again. Probably 75% of those people will abide by the rules, and they'll, they'll take it 100% seriously, and they'll say, you know what, I don't want to be the reason why the NFL gets shut down. So I'm, I'm going to play ball here, and I'm going to follow the rules. And there's going to be the, those outliers out there that still want to do their thing, still have fun. They're young. Well, Lou Williams isn't that young. We'll get into that later, but it is what it is. But there's those guys out there that still want to kind of, and I guess, Reap the benefits of being in the NFL, let's just say that, or reap the benefits of playing professional sports. And one of those benefits, obviously, is clubbing and going out and having a good time. And I think if you're the NFL, you can go ahead and put this on paper and say, follow these rules. But once once I said, I don't think everyone's going to be following those rules. Hey, uh, Jamal Adams traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, who got the better of the trade? And were you surprised by the trade? 
surprised by the trade? No. What Seattle gave up a little bit, but I, I think it's a push. Like everyone's saying, oh, Seattle gave up two first round picks. What is Seattle thinking? No. I think Seattle did a fantastic job because we talk about when you're right on the cusp of going to a Super Bowl, you add those last few pieces to try to make that run. Right now, you got Russell Wilson in his prime. Right now, you have a defense that's in need of kind of like that old-school Legion of Boom type of player. Jamal Adams is that. Don't tell me that, oh, he's a safety. You're going to pay that much for a safety? You're going to sacrifice that much for a safety? Ed Reed did pretty good at safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Got him pretty far. Troy Palomalu got the Steelers pretty far. I think Jamal Adams is that talented where that could be the difference maker on defense where the Seattle Seahawks can go to the playoffs to go to a Super Bowl. So I absolutely love the trade. And now let me ask you this question too, Brent. In terms of, well, you gave up two first-round picks for him, how could you sacrifice that? Okay, well, check this out real quick. Would you trade Calvin Ridley and Montez Sweat for Jamal Adams? I would say yes. Absolutely. they were picked, what, 26th? And this is my point. You have to think if you're the Seahawks right now, in terms of those picks that you're giving up, those are going to be deeper in the draft picks. Now, I understand there's still first-round picks, but for the past two years in the draft, I went back and I looked at picks 20 through uh, 32, and the best players that I could find in that draft range was Montez Sweat and Kelvin Ridley. Those are the best. Don't keep in mind the average players or the below-average players. Those were the best two players from 20 to 32 taken those years. So with that being said, I would easily sacrifice those two guys. No respect to Kelvin Ridley, could have a big year this year. But I would sacrifice those two guys in a heartbeat to get an all-pro like Jamal Adams. Yeah, listen, I'm probably in the boat that says, hey, safety is a, is a good position. And yes, there have been historical references to very good safeties. And Cam Chancellor, by the way, in Seattle is one of them that helped that defense be as good as it was. Uh, Palomalo is a good one. I would say Tyron Matthew even is mm-hmm. uh, is a guy that's helped change some teams that he's been on most recently. And uh, Earl Thomas, you know, a different kind of safety position. But so, yeah, Ed Reed, you, you, you have the examples of it. And I do think what you have to be you get carried away with first round, first round. But Seattle's first round is almost automatically in the second half of the first round. Mm-hmm. And I would say high percentage-wise in the last eight picks of the first round mm-hmm. uh, or last ten picks. Let's just say that. So to your point, 20 to 32 is a good spot to kind of look at and break this down. So, yeah, I don't I, – I, at, at first sight, it's like, whoa, for that position. You know, because the two monster trades we've seen in the last year are Laramie Tunsil, left tackle, Jalen, mm-hmm. corner. Those are high – priority positions even Khalil Mack defensive end high priority positions mm-hmm. not safety mm-hmm. and uh it, it you would get pretty far down the list before you say I need a a blockbuster safety to go to a Super Bowl I just think you would or to build my team I think it would be pretty far down the list sure but I think when you do characterize it as hey it might be picked 24 and might be picked 28 well that, that makes some sense I do think both teams won here I think you, you, you were probably going to get rid of a guy like Adams anyway. Uh, what's really interesting is who knows if Adam Gase will even be there for a long time or for a couple more years. And obviously calling Gase out was the last straw and, and really got the ball moving. But I don't think the Jets will win long term in that sense because I don't see Gase there for five years. And Adams could have been there for five years on a long term deal. That's mm-hmm. my point. 
but now they just have to go replenish and, and pick well, much like the Jags. You know, the criticism will come with, okay, but who's making the picks and will those picks be any good? That's fair criticism because look at the Jets. They've traded away like five out of their last six first-round picks, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, a lot like the Jags. The Jets and the Jags look a lot alike in the first round yeah. on what they've done with their their first-round picks. It's funny because every monumental trade that's taken part in the, in the offseason here leading up to the to the training camp, I always think back to DeAndre Hopkins and, and what you got for him. Like well, Once again, I mean, props to the Cardinals, man, because – you know, trading trading a David Johnson and then a second round pick, yeah, there you go. But to me, this is you know, to, to me, it deserves a golf clap for the Seattle Seahawks because we always talk about if you want to go to the Super Bowl, guess what? You have to win your division, okay? And I think right now, while the the NFC West is probably the most competitive division in all of football. To me, the road still goes to the 49ers, okay? It, it does. And if you look at the 49ers and what they bring to the table, a great offensive line pounding the rock. Well, the Seahawks had to address that. So why not get the best safety in football? Why not get like another box linebacker who can come down on the line of scrimmage and lay the wallop, you know, on those 49ers running backs? I'm all for it. And then keep in mind, too, the Rams this year might look a little different as well. We're not going to go so much trips and spread formation. The Rams this year could use a lot more two tight end sets and be a little more conservative of their offensive play calling. Therefore, safety benefits you there as well. So the, to me, this is Pete Carroll looking at the division right now and saying, you know what? It's a tough division. Once again, we have Russell Wilson right now. We got DK Metcalf going forward. We had some pretty good pieces on offense. Our defense down a little bit. Pass rushing still a question mark, but we need that guy to put us all the top on defense. And I think Jamal Adams can do that not only in the passing game, but also in the run game as well. Well, we talked about this situation on Friday, by the way, before he got traded on Saturday, and it said how much value a guy has. Jalen Ramsey, we talked about before for Laramie Tunsil, Khalil Mack, and now Jamal Adams getting this much attention. Somebody will come in and get a great player. And it does spin back to me about the Jan situation. It's like, what what would be enough for Jan right now, the way he values himself, his camp values him, and kind of put that out there. And I think the Jags value him as a player and want in return. And what are people not willing to give up? Because... As you, Seattle, by the way, is a team that could have used a pass rusher. They, instead of getting cloudy or trading for Jan, use some of their draft capital to go get maybe the best safety in football, uh, which also makes some sense. It probably was worth the weight in their mind. But again, not as premium a position as pass rusher. And Jan would fit their system perfectly, too. So what will it take? I, that's, a, again... I thought the Jamal Adams trade was really interesting because, one, it, it, it was a like... The Jalen Ramsey one Mm -hmm. in terms of the capital given up Two, it included Seattle, who might have had interest in a guy like Yannick Ngakwe. And there were some rumors floated around at one time or another that 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 they did. Uh, And then what does it mean for the Jags and Yan and how stuck is Yan if. Well, and what kind of capital are they going to demand? I mean, if you see these bigger trades, again, I'm not saying Jan is in the category of Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. but to me, these kind of trades, when you're getting this kind of return, kind of drives the price tag up even from the Jags point of view to say, hey, well, we want at least this and we're not getting the offers. Well, and let me ask you this, Brent, because you come from the school of thought right now that Shad Khan is the last guy that's just going to let a player go just because he wants to be gone, right? He's, he's going to put his foot in the dirt. He's going to make a point and say, no, this is not how it works. You just don't have free reign. You can leave whenever you want to. It has to be worth it. So with that being said right now, 
Do you think the past, you know, let's go all the way back to when Jan was kind of complaining, I think it was that Indianapolis game kind of towards the end of the season, saying that he wanted out, put up the checkered flag on Twitter. Do you think from that time until now, 7-27-2020, do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars have been offered a first-round pick for Yannick Ngakwe at all? Ooh, I, I don't. You don't think so? Uh, first round pick. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I don't know either. I, I, I hesitate. I, I hesitate to say no. My quick answer is no. Mm-hmm. I hesitate to say no because if you take me back to December, January, February, as you lead into the new new league year, mm-hmm. I wondered if it was first round. Remember, a lot of conversations were first round pick and something else. Correct. But I'm telling you, man, I don't. I think there's been offers. I think there's been calls. I think there's been suggested trades by his camp. I don't know if any of them have included the first rounder. I think the Jags. Now, what I'm hesitating on is could it included like a Seattle kind of first rounder, or was might be the 28th pick? Which sure. is that enough? And that's it. Mm. So maybe I, I would say I'm going to put like a 35 percent chance they've been offered a first round pick. Okay, and you think if they were off the first round pick, it was probably a later on towards the draft type of pick. Yeah, because I think they would have jumped. Yeah, I, I think it would have been enough. Uh, you know, and by the way, like if it wasn't enough, that team that was that interested to give up a first round pick probably would have given up the first and either a player or a fourth as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have probably done that wouldn't have called off the talks. Yeah. I think if there was somebody that came to the table with a first round talks would have probably escalated to kind of get the deal done. And uh, it hasn't. So I don't I would say no. If I had to bet on it, I would say I don't think they have. Gotcha. Uh, OK. How about you? Um. See, I, I'm kind of in the same ballpark that you are just because, and I understand that Shad Khan wants to hold his ground right now, but you got to think, if you get offered a first-round pick anywhere, like in the middle round to obviously the early round um, of that first round, how could you not? You know, Because you're immediately getting an, an upgrade on that investment because you spent a third-round pick on him. So do I think that the Jaguars have been offered a first-round pick? I'm just going to say I hope not because if it was me, I – I would have pulled the trigger on that as soon as that came through the, the wire, you know, regardless of the time that that took place. So I don't think they have yet. I'm not sure if they're going to. But to me, it's the ultimate decider. You know, if I get a first-round pick for Yannick Ngakwe, and once again, it has to be ideal. It has to look good. But even towards the later round now, Brent, I think I'd probably let him go then. Yeah, I, I think right now if you get a first-rounder, they would do it. Yeah. I do. I, I agree with that. I just don't know if they were offered a first-rounder back in January that was enough to pull the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. I think they might have waited to see if they could get a little bit more. So that's my hesitation in saying, yeah, they might have been. Might have been, although I'm uh, not really convinced that they are. If I had to bet, I would say no. Mm-hmm. They have not been uh, granted a uh, first-round um, selection or at least offered one of those. I want to get to, before we take a break here, I put a question, poll question out there last night. It's got over 1,300 votes now. Dang. Do you think Jan will play on ta- on the tag for Jaguars this season? This surprised me. The fan base believes Jan. Or the people voting believe Jan. Or Jan voted a lot. <laughs> hey, everybody. Feel free to go on Brent Martino's Twitter page and vote for me real quick. Winner, you know, there's going to be one random person that gets a prize. I didn't yeah. take that into consideration until just now. Maybe Jan voted a lot. No, there you, you go. Yeah. You can only you vote, vote once. But 58% say no. They believe Jan play. will sit out hmm. uh, and not play on the tag. 
Now, yeah. that, that could mean a lot of things. No, no means they think he'll get traded. No means. But my question was pretty simplistic of will he play on the tag for the Jags this season? Yeah. And uh, 42% say yes. 58% say no. And that's over 1,300 votes. That poll's still open for another three hours. But that to me is – I was surprised by that from mm-hmm. the fans. Now, listen, there's a big segment of the fan. Jan's lost a big segment of the fan base since last, like, November. Yeah. They're tired of him. They're yeah. tired of the the – the cryptic tweets and everything else. And I think even that was kind of planned. Mm-hmm. You know, I, not about planned, but I don't think he cared about that at the end of the day. It's like, what do I have Because there was a huge part of the population and Jags fans that were all for it. Sign them. They were mad at the Jags, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back to last July, August, September, even all the way up through December, maybe, until start, the checkered flag came out and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and he wanted out. And then that's what, that will turn a fan, uh, fan base against you. And it has. So interesting poll. Um, about Jan, I the players report tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Jan's not reporting, right? No. I don't, why? Yeah. I mean, I mean, why would he? No. Yeah. No. So this is now that the clock begins. Yeah. On Jan, it, it is seven twenty-seven, and the season is six weeks away. Will he play, or will he go, or will he sit, or? Or whatever is on the table, uh, and that's that's where we're at. It, the clock begins to tick now for Yannick Ngakwe. You know, regarding Yannick Ngakwe, and obviously, I mean, I think we we share the same philosophy here that he's not going to show up for a while, at least for training camp, and then we'll see once the season actually starts where he's going to be. But with that being said, though, Brent, I, I want to ask you this, okay? We've been here, and once again. I don't know what kind of defense the Jaguars are going to run this year, okay? Uh, I seriously have no idea. 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three. it's probably going to be some kind of hybrid, a little more dynamic than it was last year, right? But I want to take you back to last year real quick, right, where we talked about, you know, that they could be doing something crazy. They, they got Josh Allen coming in. It could be a 3-4 defense. And we had Todd Wash tell us that they had plans to do something different, but what was the reason? Yannick Ngakwe wasn't there, so they kind of went back to their old base kind of coverages and the base kind of fronts because Yannick Ngakwe wasn't there, uh, you know, in person to go over the defense with. Now, I'm very adamant. I think you can, you could have made it work without him being there. Regardless, though, it was what it was. Now we enter a new year. Okay, now we enter another year where Yannick Ngakwe, not going to show up on time, we assume. We have a guy by the name of Chase on who's going to be a rookie, Josh Allen going into his second year. Here, here begs the question. If you're Todd Walsh right now with this defense, how dynamic and how different can you be? Because you didn't pull the trigger when it wasn't a pandemic, when Yannick Ngakwe wasn't in training camp. You had a new guy in Josh Allen who looked very dynamic on film, who you're excited about. How much more dynamic can the defense be this year if Ngakwe is not going to be here again, number one, and number two, COVID-19? Yeah, I I don't know how much more dynamic it can be. I do think they're not sitting around and waiting for Jan this time. Sure. It, like they, uh, again, you know me, we've talked yeah. about this. I don't believe that 11-day thing was real anyway because okay. I remember, I think it was just an excuse. In hindsight, people use excuses whether they they say they want to or not. Yeah. And I think the 11 days was an excuse by the Jags because I remember being when they played the scrimmage, them basically saying, Jan, he'll catch up. Mm-hmm. He He's basically like another coach out there. He knows everything in and out. Mm-hmm. So I don't buy all that, that they would have looked totally different and, and all this stuff if Jan had been there for the 11 days. But I do think this. I think the Jags believe Jan right now and are planning on him not playing. I, I think that's their thought inside the building. 
uh, I have heard various things. I've even heard in, uh, from out, outside the building that they're not even like there's no communication there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're keeping him up to speed on what's going on, which a lot of times you'll do Correct. with a player that, you know, might have some business stuff to handle. Well, I don't think there's even any of that. So I think they obviously Jan and his camp have said we're not playing, mm-hmm. not playing in Jacksonville. And they have held firm to that. I still have my doubts about that, uh, but they have held firm to that. And I also say I think the Jags firmly believe he's not playing. But that doesn't mean they're moving him either. (laughs) The standoff continues. And so what will really be interesting as this develops is if they both kind of have this feeling that he's not going to play for the Jags in 2020. What happens is we do get closer, and he does say, you know what, I am going to play. I'm going to go get their mil- that $1.2 million a-, a week. Well, where does he fit in then, you know, if that's at around Labor Day? Does he just automatically plug in? Have they now built some more things around Josh Allen, even incorporated the rookie, Caleb on Chase on? Or are there enough snaps to say, hey, we can get all these guys in there. They're all talented. That's my job. Get all the talented players in there. I want to ask you this question. Okay, let's assume that Yannick Ngakwe maybe comes back. Let's say just ha- let's let's be realistic here. Halfway through the season, okay? I mean that that could be that could very well happen, right? Let's assume that maybe he's not in the best of shape. He has to get acclimated again. Maybe gets a few plays here, a few plays there, and maybe Chason's doing fantastic. Does it benefit Yannick Ngakwe in a future contract to sit out this year and just risk it for the biscuit, or does it does it benefit him to come back and play? And maybe only get three, four sacks because he's splitting time with Josh Allen. He's splitting time with Chase on. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, it benefits his bank account to go get eight million dollars at that point. Well, correct. <laughs> but 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 I'm saying yeah. but I'm saying for that for that long term, Brent. I don't know. I would say this. I don't. If he sits out, mm-hmm. his resume says no sacks in 2020. If he plays, his resume could say like to your point, four sacks in eight games. Sure. Or, or something like that. I still think, again, I for the I think he would be coming back for all the business reasons, the yeah. dollars, the accrued year, the everything else, and anybody who's going to sign him in free agency knows the resume. It, it won't impact okay. uh, at all. I don't think. Okay. I, I don't think zero sacks sitting out will impact. I also don't think four sacks will yeah. impact. Now, the thing that will impact, I believe, and this is what he's going to be careful of with all this new money structure, is a lowered cap. Mm. He will not get as rich a deal, I believe, in 2021 as he would have in normal times, is my point. I think he could pay that price a little bit because of what essentially will be a lowered cap, it looks like, in 2021. Now, how much of a hit? I don't know. Might yeah. be a million bucks. Might not be that much. But Listen, all I'm going to say is Clowney played 13 games last season, only had three sacks, and those numbers... And that was yet. He's still waiting to get on a team. The, so the diff- you're right, and that's a good example. The difference with Clowney right now, to me, is he's been so selective. Okay. It feels like doesn't it feel like at least when he's talked, he's like, I want to play here, I want to play here, I don't want to play there. Sure. I feel like that. Now that might not be reality. It just feels that way. He, and I think he kind of feels like, listen, he, he's a long time vet in the game. He's earned that right. To be fair, but at the same time, he's very dynamic. You can put him in any kind of system, he's going to flourish. So I, I agree with you there. What uh, we won't, uh, we're not done talking about Jan. Uh, obviously, we're getting close to camp time, and Jan will be a story once again. Uh, jump in on the conversation. Star Star six ninety nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. The poll questions out there as well. Plus, when we come back, the latest on Major League Baseball and how it impacts all these other sports. It's on ESPN six ninety.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.